Today's episode of Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast, will not be heard at this time, so we could bring you the following special. You hear Bill and Bro talk, they watch South Park all the time, but how about a little change to you? Because they love movies, they watch them all the time. So here they are talking movies today instead of the show. Hello everyone and welcome to this special edition of Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast. I am Bill Yankovi from the Washington Post Anything Offensive and people will be pissed off. And you hear Fro? Uh, I'm from uh, Norway News. The only news uh, source you need for Norway News. There you go. Say that ten times fast. Exactly. That was our best Siskel and Ebert intro. So, So, uh, today... We are going to review, this is, I think for the both of us, the most anticipated episode for us to record. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't mind uh, talking about every single episode of South Park. Oh, me, me, yeah, same here. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do this uh, show. Um, but, uh, I mean, this is a special occasion uh, I have on my clock. Uh, with uh, a purple belt uh, around my stomach and I'm ready to talk about one of the most uh, awesome and influenced movies uh, I have ever seen and we are of course talking about the masterwork Citizen Kane and uh, yeah I'm ready Rosebud is the sled there (laughs) <laughs> you just saw that movie. No, no I'm, I'm ready to talk about uh, South Park. Yeah. The movie. Um, the movie. Yes, South Park. Bigger, Longer, and Uncut is the name of this movie. And what we're going we're, we're gonna to go through the movie, because unfortunately, nobody could join us. Yeah, and also we are a week late because of... Uh, well, well recording... Recording, we're a week late, but yeah. as far as actually posting it, we're on time. I know, but um, the truth be told, I'm, I'm not home, so right. I... <laughs> um, so, what we're going to... We're going to go through the movie. Sure. We're going we're gonna to talk about the movie, and then after we're done and giving it, uh, you know, our... Grade, which we're going to change the grade on this one, because instead of giving it, you know, from a one to ten, we're going to do a star system. So, really? I, yeah, I figured that'd be a little bit different, you know. I don't agree with that. You know, okay, we could keep it to one to ten. <laughs> That's fine. Um, so, yeah, this is 
South Park the movie, and actually, th- th- there's a lot on, I mean, there's so much to go through. One thing that I should mention that we didn't talk about, which I feel, you know, at this point it sucks now, maybe we'll get to it a little later as we move along within this series, is the soundtrack to this movie. Yeah. Because there are a lot of songs, pretty much all the songs you're going to hear or us talk about are going to be on the soundtrack, but there's also going to be like a couple other songs that didn't make the movie that end up being um, in the in, in, in the soundtrack itself. So at some point down the line, we will go to reviewing the soundtrack. Okay. I'm all for that. So, but, but, because, uh, and I'm, and I'm looking at the notes now, the soundtrack came out two weeks before the movie, which yeah. I didn't even know, so, but it's not going to really matter, I don't think. It won't hurt where we are. No. So, I mean, it's, it's not like the movie track uh, spoils anything. Pretty much. It really yeah. doesn't. So, let's not keep you guys waiting any longer. Here we go. Our review of South Park. Bigger, longer, and uncut. The movie. Well, I saw this movie uh, for the endless time. I have no clue how many Times I've seen hmm. it, but I, I saw it on on Netflix this week, uh, and there's a lot of things that I didn't remember. So I'm happy that I saw it before and, we're talking about it. And, and you know, I'm glad that you mentioned Netflix because by the time this episode is airing, this movie will no longer be on Netflix. Really? Yeah, it's going to be taken down at the beginning of the new year. So. I know. So this movie was released on June 30th, 1999. Directed by Trey Parker. Produced by Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and Scott Rudin. Written by Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and Pam Brady. It is based on the hit TV show South Park. Music by Mark Scheiman. Edited by John Venzen. Production companies, Comedy Central Films, Scott Rudin Productions, and Braniff Productions. It was distributed in the United States and Canada by Paramount Pictures, and its international release was from Warner Brothers Pictures. This movie has a running time of 81 minutes. It had a $21 million budget, and it, it yeah only, and it made up pretty well at the box office. It made about 83 million dollars, so I I think they did pretty good on. Uh, the the back coming back from the budget. Uh, how much did uh, the printing cost, and how much did it make back? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, that's that's all our only com- uh, comparing almost. Uh, let's see. Its budget was seventy five million dollars. Yeah. And it made five. I'm going to round it up to the nearest dollar. Five hundred twenty eight million dollars. Holy at the box office. 
Although, to be fair, and, and I'm glad you brought up the Simpsons movie, because I was, I sort of wanted to talk about that, but, like, when this movie came out, looking, you know, re, you know, watching it twice and going back, it's like, well, the Simpsons had to do a movie at some point. Yeah, oh, definitely. And, to be honest, I thought they hit the nail with the movie. I love the movie. I think the, the Simpsons movie is underrated. Yeah, movie, it yeah, is. To be honest, it uh, is. I hear I hear people complaining that it's a long episode of the Simpsons. I've never heard anybody complain about that movie. Uh, then you haven't talked to Joe. Joe hates that movie. Well, Joe hates uh, the troops. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, but uh, uh, I mean, I I remember he talked about it. Uh, starts to sing and we get our first song in the movie right away which is called Mountain Town. Yeah, and uh, to be honest, I think maybe this is the worst song of uh, the movie. Uh, I don't think it's a strong beginning to be honest. Hmm. I think uh, yeah, it's it's, a, it's an okay intro song, but I I don't I don't think it uh, yes, it's better by introducing things and, and things like that. But uh, movie, no, singing-wise and, and music-wise, I think this is the worst song in the movie. Well, I think with who is singing it, you know, it probably won't be the best. And... See, it's tough, because I have another song that I would pick as the worst song. But, uh, okay. but 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 here's the thing, though. Just because it's the worst song doesn't mean it's... Well, for me, it doesn't mean it's bad. Oh, no! Because oh, no. they're all good. No, no, no. They're no, actually no, no. all good. It's um, not a bad song at all. I'm mm -hmm. just saying that, uh, for me... Right. It's, it's, it's not as strong as other movies. Right. Uh, other songs in this movie. So... Stan sings about, you know, living in this quiet mountain town. So he goes to his mom, who we find out works at Tom's rhinoplasty. Didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And she and he asks if he could get money to go see a movie. It's a foreign movie. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she sings about how her son is like Jesus. Okay. And then we go to Kenny's house. Now, this is the first time that we see Kenny... Either, you know, in, in, in any form, without his coat on. Now, we get his back, and we see he has blonde hair. Yeah. So, it's a bit of a, you know, a nice reveal. So, you know, Stan's like, hey, we're gonna go, I'm gonna go see this movie, you wanna come? And then, Kenny's mom is like, what are you doing? You're not gonna go church, you're gonna go hell, you're gonna talk to the devil. And Kenny's like, okay. 
So then they continue the song, and we see Kyle and Ike, and Ike gets kicked through the window, and Sheila is upset at heaven. He's like, bad baby. That's a bad baby for breaking the window. Bad baby. And it's so weird, because it's like, how can a one-year-old break a window by putting himself through the window? And it's interesting. I mean, this this movie contains 14 future songs uh, that uh, look kind of similar to a Broad's broad Away style. And, and, and uh, I mean, it's, it takes a long time to set up the movie, uh, songs in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that saves this movie uh, from being over the top cheesy are, are the songs. Yeah. And then we get Cartman, and Cartman asks, or tells his mom to open the door. So the boys come in, and they're like, look, what's out? And he's like, yes! So they all go to see it, and they finish the song, because, you know, they're going to see Terrence and Philip because they're super sweet. So Stan goes up to the box office, and he's like, five tickets for the Terrence and Philip movie, please. No! And then, he, and then the guy who's a teenager says that this is a very naughty movie. It's got an R rating. And you should be accompanied by a parent or a guardian. Uh, how was this rated in the movie? This was rated R. And it's, uh, it's kind of funny. They made the R because of this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You that, right? Well, well there is a story which, when we're done with this review, or talking about the movie, that I want to bring up to everyone. And how this yeah. movie almost was not an R-rated movie. Yep. So, they get a homeless guy to pretend that he is their guardian. And they pretty much say, look, if you don't get us in, we're not going to give you the $10 so you can go drink your vodka. So, they get the tickets, they go into the movie, they're in the front row. So, they're there to see Terrence and Philip, Asses of Fire, which is the name of the movie. And the theater is packed. So then, you know, after the first joke, this is where it gets really good. Because they start cursing each other. You know, they call each other, you know, different names, which... I'm not going to say. I mean, relax. I'm going to say it soon. Thank you. We're going to talk, yeah, we're soon going to talk about the lyrics of the, one of the most funny songs in the movie. Yes, and you know they they see it and the boys are just wow. It's almost like they can't believe that this kind of language actually exists. And then it goes into the next song, which is Uncle Fucker. Yeah, I mean, shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. Mm-hmm. You're a cock-sucking ass-licking <laughs> Uncle Fucker. You're a uncle-fucking, yes, it's true. Nobody fucks uncles quite like you. you. So, the audience... Fantastic lyrics. Songs that kids can live by. So, so, the, <laughs> so the audience is very... Um, upset, they're offended, and 
at one point you hear this one woman say, oh, what garbage? And then the guy's like, what do you expect? They're Canadian. So, and the boys are having the thrill of a lifetime. And three hours later, apparently that is how long this movie is. Is three hours. Yeah, I, I have trouble believing that stuff. <laughs> I mean, like, I, 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 I like, I, I'm, I'm going to go and compare it to a Quentin Tarantino movie. Okay. Um, Quentin Tarantino makes movies to shock people. Like, sometimes, uh, especially when he made, uh, uh, oh, why can I suddenly not remember his most famous movie? Pulp Fiction? Pulp Fiction, thank you. Which is another he good movie. That. Yeah, it's a really good movie, and he made it to 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 talk a lot about censorship and things like that. And this movie is so much about censorship and, and, and how dangerous censorship can be. Mm-hmm. And I love that they are toying with that with this song. Like, I mean, it's so gross. Like, I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not a good, good song. I mean, it's, it's really like atrociously, uh, disgusting, but in a good way. Right. So, um, so after they, you know, they see the movie, they go to Stark's Pond, or what we presume is Stark's Pond, where the other kids are skating. And, you know, they asked the boys, where were they? And they were like, oh, nowhere. We just saw the Terrence and Philip movie. And the kids are like, oh. So, you know, they start saying the words that were in the movie. Meanwhile, Stan sees Wendy. And they, you know, they play another song, There's the Girl That I Like. And There's a girl that I like over there. So it, it, it's weird because it's like, well, wait a minute. Well, are they boyfriend, girlfriend, and now for no reason they're not together? I, I guess it's for the purpose of the movie? Yeah. I, I guess would be it. Um, So, you know, he sees her. She says, hi, Stan. He throws it up. And then we see this new kid in town. And his name is Gregory. And he's got this accent. And he has like a... Uh, he's got a 4.0 grade point average. You mean the accent? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, it, so, Stan has competition, basically. So we go to school the next day. And all the kids, with the exception of Wendy and Gregory, are wearing Terrence and Phillips shirts. And they're singing Uncle Fucker, you know. And then Mr. Mackey comes in. Or not Mr. Mackey, Mr. Garrison. So he's like, okay, children, let's take our seats. So he starts, you know, the day with a math problem. And, you know, they go, what's five times two? So Clyde gives it a try. And he says it's 12. And Mr. Garrison's like... No, all right, can we have someone who's not a complete retard give it a try? <laughs> Boy, that's a shot. And yeah. Kyle is like, oh, I know the answer to this. <laughs> shut your mouth, fat boy. You shut your mouth, you Evan Jew. And, you know, this is one of the funniest scenes of the movie. 
where Mr. Garris is like, what did you say? You know, and they're trying to tell Carmen, you can't say that word. This word cannot be said in school. And, you know, Carmen's like, it doesn't hurt anybody. Look, fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. And Mr. Garrison's like, how would you like to go see the school counselor? How would you like to suck my balls? And they're all shocked. <laughs> and Mr. Garrison that. is like, what did you say? And then this is one of my favorite parts of the entire movie. Yeah. Cartman goes, mm, yep. What I said was, and he pulls out a megaphone. How would you <laughs> like to suck my balls, Mr. Garrison? And it's just pure genius. It just is. So they get sent over to Mr. Mackey's office, and they, you know, they're getting a talk, and their moms get called in. And it's like, oh boy, this isn't good. So, you know, they get told what happened. Um, and, you know, Cartman is still cursing. And he gives one of the best lines of the movie. He's like, I'm sorry, that movie has worked my fragile little mind. <laughs> so, after that happens, uh, they all go into sort of a counseling with Mr. Mackey. Yeah. No, wait a minute. No, no, I'm sorry. Let me let me go back a few seconds, because there not there like a, a news bit where they talk about how Terrence and Philip, like the movie's just blowing up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Terrence yeah. and Philip has blown up the movie. Like, it's taken over the world. The kids are cursing against the parents. And... You know, it's just a complete mess. Like, they have the number one hit song, the movie is number one, and the kids are just like, man, fuck you, you know? So, now we go to the rehabilitating scene, where Mr. Mackey's in charge, and they go into another song. It's Easy yep. and K. Now, and this uh, since I've uh, taken charge of the uh, singing part of the show. Uh, I want to quote something. Go right ahead. You don't have to spend your life addicted to smack. Homeless on the streets giving hand jobs for crack. Follow my plan and very soon you'll see it's easy. Okay. And I like... And, uh, yeah. No, I was going to say, I like the lyrics in the song, especially when they talk about the curse words. Or it's like... Step one. Instead of ass, say buns. Like, hit my buns or, or your, your buns hole. Yeah. Step two. Instead of shit, say poo. As in poop, bull poop. Poo head and poop. And this poo is cold. I, I, I'm like, two steps. Oh my God, my shit is cold. Right. Yeah. And then number three is the best one, because I did not know about this. For yeah. bitch, you drop the T, and it's Bic, and it's Latin for generosity. <laughs> which I did not know. I honestly did not know. don't say fuck anymore, because fuck is the worst word you will ever say. Yes, it is. You can say. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, 
they sang the song and everyone is cured. And what okay? So after that, Mr. Mackey's like, okay, well you kids could take the rest of the afternoon off and do whatever you want. Well, they all go back to the movie theater to watch the Terrence and Philip movie. <laughs> yep, that's a good way to go finish your rest of the afternoon off. So, after coming out of the theater, because the last scene in the movie is Terrence lighting a fart using a, a match, and he gets lit on fire. And Kenny and Cartman have this discussion of, you can't do that. Yeah, you can. So, Carver's like, I bet you can't do it. So, Kenny takes a, a match. He lights it up. He puts it behind his butt. And he farts. Well, all of a sudden, Kenny is completely on fire. He is just on fire. And Carver is trying to take the fire out by hitting him with the stick. Just like he did with those animals in Costa Rica. So, here comes the ambulance to help them, but the ambulance gets bumped by a salt truck, and the salt gets poured all over Kenny. And it's like, oh my god. So then they take him to the hospital. Now here we have George Clooney as the doctor, and they're trying... Oh, I love that. Oh, this is so yeah. good. They try to get Kenny back to life. So they try and they try and then at the end Kenny wakes up and he's like, Hey little buddy, how you doing? Uh listen, we have some bad news. We accidentally replaced your heart with a baked potato. You have about three seconds to live. <laughs> there goes Kenny. Oh my god! They killed Kenny! They killed Kenny! Because like the first time it was like, Oh my god, they killed Kenny and then the second time it's like Oh my god, they killed Kenny. Yep. So, at that point, the parents come in. They hear that they saw the movie again. Stan and Kyle get grounded for two weeks. Cartman, <gasps> Cartman gets grounded for three weeks. Yeah. Which is funny. It's like, how does he get that extra week? I guess it's because it's Cartman. Is it now we get... Uh, maybe what I think is your least favorite song? Not yet. Yeah, um, because this, this is the montage where we see uh, little Kenny go away. Yep. Oh, I enjoyed this. So, here comes Kenny. He's going up. He's flying up. He's about to go into heaven. Here are the Little angels. boy, yep. at peace. What is this place? Beyond the stars, open your eyes. <laughs> and then, beep, denied, and then he goes sinking down. <laughs> and and, and uh, I, I, I think it's so funny, because it's like, little boy, you're going to hell. Yep. You said bad words. They threw rocks at the birds. Now, this is no one else. You ain't going back. Ding. This ain't no Disneyland, this is hell. And for those who are curious, yes, James Hetfield of Metallica does sing in this song. Yep. And what I find 
maybe maybe the most funny thing is that Gandhi is in hell. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I'm like, uh, should he really be in hell, Gandhi? <laughs> Well, wait till we get to uh, the Christmas episode of season three. Wait till you hear who yep. else is in hell. Yep. So after that, um, we had we see a PTA meeting at the school, and they had you know Sheila's up there, and you know basically she's trying to convince these people this is the problem. Canadians are the problem. You know. With their filth and their humor. And that goes into easily the most recognizable song in the movie and maybe the most popular, maybe, Blame Canada. I think it's the best. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just done so well. It really I, is. I mean, it's, it, it, it's so incredibly good lyrics. Mm hmm. I mean, like, uh,. Uh, for example, like, time has changed, our kids are getting worse, they don't abide their parents, they just want to talk and carry. <laughs> I love, I love, I, I love, I love, like, they, they can, like, make things rhyme. Mm-hmm. And it's done so and, well. Yeah, my son could be a, a doctor or a lawyer rich and true. Instead, he burned off like a piggy on a barbecue. How great is that? I, I have a phone call. I have to answer. Sorry. Okay. So, yeah, we get the song, and it's such a good song. It really is such a good song. And, and it's really a good setup for what we will have for the duration of this movie. So, um, we go, a after the song, we go to one of the houses of the boys. I think it's uh, Kyle's. Although, I don't know, it's weird, because Shelly is there, and she's there... To babysit the three boys while their parents are away, while they're out of town, which we don't know at this point in time. We don't know where they are. So, you know, um, and it's like, I mean, it, it, this is a good scene because it does set up for what will happen. And... We and then Stan asks Wendy if she knows where the clitoris is, because earlier in the movie, Chef accidentally blurts out, you know, the only way to win a woman is by her clitoris. So it was like a big oops, right there. Okay, so after uh, Wendy hits Stan over the head with a chair because asking about the clitoris. Um, <laughs> One of my Wendy, or not Wendy, Shelly leaves, and they turn the TV on to watch Conan O'Brien. So, Terrence and Philip are on Conan O'Brien, and they get booed. 
So, while they are there, Brooke Shields is there, and she has, she's got a brief cameo by Minnie Driver. Minnie Driver voices Brooke Shields in this. And so they, you know, they talk about how, you know, these jokes have been a part of, you know, Canadian comedy for years. And then Brooke Shields just blurts out, I farted once on the set of Blue Lagoon. <laughs> and they just smack her across the face. So Conan's like, aren't you a little worried that some groups might, you know, come and get you and do all this? And they're not really worried. And then all of a sudden, boom, here's Kyle's mom and their group, and they have uh, citizens arrest on Terrence and Philip as war criminals. And, you know, they're in shock. They feel betrayed by Conan O'Brien, and they're like, Conan, you loved our movie. Why did you turn your back on us? So he's just feeling like the pressure and he jumps out the window to commit suicide, basically. And he lands on the car, on this car. The alarm goes off. And then this guy just comes out and he turns the alarm off on his car, which is just, again, yeah. another smart, brilliant move. And there's, there's, there's uh, a sense of detail in this movie. Mm-hmm. That is... Um, amazing. I have no clue how they kept every, like, small joke in there and and uh, still had it as a part of the, the bigger storyline. Yeah. So, we go to the UN, and I don't know if you noticed, when, when they show the UN, one of the flags that's up is the pirate flag. No. With the skull across it, bones. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's there. That's really good. Oh, that's funny. So the ambassador of Canada is up there. And, you know, he's talking about how this isn't fair. You should let our, you know, our people go. You know, and it'll be over. So the U.S. ambassador stands up and, you know, he fixes his tie. And he's like, fuck you! Yeah, fuck you! You know, and... It's like, you know, they make fun of Canada about how they're talking, you know, with the word about and a boot, which is funny. And they're like, okay, you make fun of us now, you're going you're gonna to pay the price. So they send a bunch of Canadian planes to get ready because they're going to bomb somebody. Well, all of a sudden, we go yeah. to the Baldwin house. And here are all the Baldwin brothers. And I love the line where it's like, Hey, Alec, you know what's wrong about being a Baldwin? What? Nothing! Nothing! So they all laugh. And then the Canadians, and then the Canadians bomb the entire house. And then the one who survived is like, Ha ha, you missed me! And then they bomb him. So... Then they go to school, and Mr. Garrison is like, okay, your moms have basically told me to change what I'm teaching, so we're going to do a completely different format. 
And he makes a comment about how he doesn't trust women who bleed a lot. Yeah. That was really weird. And then, you know, everyone gets called into the gym because something had happened. So they're there, and they turn the TV on. And we have President Bill Clinton. He's like, my fellow Americans, today is a day that will live in infamy. This morning, uh, the Canadians have bombed and destroyed and killed all the Baldwin brothers. Oh, this, this is great. And the different reactions, you know, she's like, oh my, and they're like, no. And Wendy is scared, and then Mr. Garrison is like, all the Baldwins are dead? Yes. So, I I don't know. I think it was more of shock, shock and sad than happy. But, uh, oh, it's happy. Come on. So, then President Clinton announces that he has appointed a Secretary of Offense for the United States. And it's Sheila Broflovsky. So, what? Yep. And she's like, this is what we're going to do. We are officially declaring war on Canada, and we are going to execute Terrence and Philip. And it's no. like, no! So, you know, they go, so after that, we go to recess, and at first they're playing, and then Gregory tries to have, like, a, a part, like, part protest part demonstration and he's trying to convince the kids that what they are doing the parents are doing is absolutely wrong you know because this is america it's the land of the free and the home of the brave and the kids are like we're just gonna go play tetherball yeah. <laughs> i love how they really don't care at all so so wendy gets upset and she's like do you guys even care you know, and and Stan's like, oh, you know, she likes guys who are standing up for what they believe in. And then he throws up on Wendy. And then Carver's like, we all know what the real problem is. It's Kyle's mom. She's a bitch. And, you know, Kyle gets really upset. And we bring back Kyle's mom is a bitch. And this works so I think it is, well, I think it's better because it's a longer version. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, whereas the first one, it's a short version, but the first one had to be a short version. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, you could get away. All the language Mm -hmm. and all the switches, it's so freaking hilarious. Yeah. So... Towards the end of Carmen's singing, here comes Kyle's mom right behind him. He does not know. (laughs) And when he sees her, he knows he's dead, basically. Yep. So, then we go to a meeting of the group that's basically taking Terrence and Philip away. And they introduce a doctor 
who is voiced by Eric Idle. And he tells them about this V-chip. And what this V-chip does is you put it in the kid, or on the kid, just a little bit in the skin, and every time your child cusses, it gives him a shock. So they bring, oh. so they bring Cartman out as the, I get the guinea pig, and they're like, okay, I have words. I want you to repeat them after me. And this is so freaking hilarious. Yes. This is one of my favorite parts of the myth. So the first one is puppy. Puppy. <laughs> puppy. Montana. Montana. Horse. Horse fucker. And then Carver's like, what? And then in probably the only moment in the history of civilization, a mother giving their child permission to curse yep. without any trouble. He's like, uh, horse fucker. So he gets shocked. And it's basically a success. The chip works. So Cartman now has this V chip. So after that, we go back to Kenny, who is in hell, and he meets Satan. And, you know, Satan is big and evil and ha 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 And he's got Kenny chained up for torture. Well, here comes Saddam Hussein. Who, who, and I forgot to mention this in the beginning, was killed by a pack of wild boars. Yep. So, you know, it's like, okay, and, the, you know, like, Satan wants to have fun, but Saddam is just taking over. It's like, yeah, come on, daddy. So, the parents then have this protest. And, you know, with the mothers against Canada. And it's like, come on, guys, we got to stand up to our moms. Especially Kyle with, with, uh, with his mom. And the moms just will not listen. They, will, they just refuse to listen. They are just on a mission to make sure that everything, you know, everything is done for their kids. So, they start wondering, huh, what would Brian Boitano do? And, oh, you break it up here. We, I lost you a little bit. Your audio is down. Well, there we go. Problem. Uh, before this movie came out, mm -hmm. I had no fucking clue who Brian Pitano was. Like, I I think the normal person around the world had no clue who right. Brian Pitano was. I mean, who is Brian Pitano? Well, like, he is nobody. Well, to some people, but well, we we discussed this 
a while ago when um, we watched the two shorts. Right. You know, that he's an Olympic figure skater for the U.S. Right. Right. I, I know now. Right. But at I the time, yeah, I could see your point. Yeah. I could see your point. I mean, when Brian Batano traveled through time to the year uh, 3010, he fought out the evil king and saved the human race again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when Brian Batano built the pyramids, he beat up Kubla Khan, because Brian Batano doesn't take shit from anybody. Yep. And yep. at one point, Brian Dennehy comes. He's an actor. And they're like, no, we didn't call for Brian Dennehy. Which, again, you you got to get the reference for that one. Um, so, they each now have a mission or a reason to form this group. Carmen wants to get the V-chip out of him. Kyle wants his family back together. Stan wants to see Wind, or let Wendy know that... He is an activist. Because that's what Brian Boitano would do. Uh-huh. So we see um, one of those old like newsreels from the 40s being done where they're showing you know everything that's happening between the US and Canada and how they basically have a quote unquote death camp for Canadians. And the Canadians also bombed the mansion of the Arquette family, so all the so all the Arquettes are dead. And they talk about how the execution of Terrence and Philip will take place during a USO show with Big Gay Al and Renona Ryder. Yep. Um. So then. We see the boys at Kyle's house, and they want to get the word out of how, you know, they're going to have this meeting. But first, Stan asks Kyle if he could look up clitoris. So they do, and they go to this site where you have to be 18 years or older. I think you guys know where I'm going with this. Um, so then they go to a German site and they see these people doing stuff and Stan's like, Hey, is that Cartman's mom? Very funny guys. It is. It is Cartman's mom. And the guy just craps all over her. <laughs> I'm glad they did not show that in the movie. Yeah. Uh, So after they finish seeing that, um, Kyle tries to break into the Canadian uh, message boards, which he does. And, you know, he types, we're going to have this meeting at Carl's warehouse. If you want to join to stop what is happening, the password is La Resistance. La Resistance. So, meanwhile, back in hell... Um, yeah, words that I would never thought I'd ever say. So, meanwhile, back in hell, Satan and Saddam, they're getting excited. You know, they're getting ready. But 
Saddam is more excited than Satan is. So Satan just goes away. He's a little sad. And then he starts singing. And this is another good... This is a good song. Yeah. Sometimes I think when I look up real high that there's such a big world up there. I like to give it a try. But then I It is so good. Oh, it really is. Fun. So, Cartman is tucked into bed, and first he asks his mom, you know, will the war be over soon? And, you know, she says, hopefully it will be. And then he goes, Mom, would you tell me if you were ever in a German Scheiser video? <laughs> and she's like, uh, yeah, sure. Good night. So, so, you know, his mom closes the door. And Cartman, you know, gets out of bed and he's packed. He's ready to go. And then all of a sudden he sees the ghost of Kenny. So Kenny isn't really dead. What? And he tries to explain to him that Satan and Saddam Hussein are going to come up. And, you know, take over the world, which scares Cartman. So, Cartman gets to Carl's warehouse. It's You know, he's a little late because he was supposed to bring the punch and pie. And he's like, he's like, dudes, I saw Kenny. He talked to me. And Kyle's like, I see Kenny too all the time in the, in the smiles of, and faces of the kids. It is so good. It's so funny. It is. So, they get a knock on the door, and it's Gregory. So, they ask him what the password is. It's not what, you know, because the password is La Resistance. But the group is now called La Resistance, and they're like, the password is bacon. Which is weird. So... A bunch of kids come, and Stan tries to do a speech. They're like, our parents have taken Terrence and Philip, and we think that sucks. So then this one kid raises his hand. We were told there was supposed to be punch and pie. Uh, there is no punch and pie. Oh, so he and another kid leave. So Stan is still trying to give a speech, and it's not working. So Gregory comes up and he gives this speech and plan of what we're going to do. And at first, he decides, Gregory decides that he's going to be the one who's going to go and rescue Terrence and Philip. Well, Stan's like, no, we're going to do this. We're the ones who created this mess. We're going to be the ones who finished the mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really good. 
So, after they plan everything, then, then he tells him about this person named the Mole. They have to meet the Mole. And then the Mole will help them. Before before we go to the mall, were you thinking that we have met the mall before? Because I was pretty sure the first time we, we saw this that the mall was going to be somebody we knew who was. I never thought about that. Honestly, yeah, yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah, because I I, I was I was uh, 100% sure that we were were that we knew who this was. From the day, from before, so I I was really confused when we saw uh, uh, saw who it was. Mm -hmm. So, <coughs> excuse me. Bless you. The mole made me sneeze. So, Gregory then starts singing a song about how eh you might die, you might make it, who knows? Mm -hmm. And then we get. Blame Canada. Then we get the soldiers singing. And then we get Satan singing. And then we get Terrence and Phillips singing. It's basically a montage. Yeah, I love it. Of all the songs. Yep. And it's done good. So... Montage! Every movie needs a montage! <laughs> <laughs> we need to do that really well. Oh, we are. Yep. So, at Kyle's house... Kyle takes Ike up to the attic. Okay, how how sort of interesting is this? A Jew takes another one up into an attic. Yeah. So he's like, stay here, do not move. And, you know, he leaves him there. So Ike realizes he's all alone, and he starts playing the harmonica. <laughs> So the boys go to this house, and this lady opens up, and they're here to see the mole. And he's like, oh, the mole's been grounded for talking bad about God. And they're like, can we see him for just five seconds? So here's the mole. The mole is a kid. The yeah, and uh, nobody we have seen before or after. Now, who did you think it was? I I was thinking it was going to be the one of the three boys. Hmm. Or or maybe like maybe uh, uh, butters or right. Like that. So basically, they had this discussion. They you know they they got this plan that you know hey we're gonna go in there we're gonna save Terrence and Philip. And, you know, we, we're part of La Resistance. So, meanwhile, as Satan is getting packed to get ready to go, Saddam is sex hungry. And, you know, Satan's like, Look, I'm, I'm going up alone, you're not coming with me. And this bums Satan out a little bit. And then he goes into my least favorite song, which doesn't mean I hate the song. But this isn't, like, it's a good song, but it's not my favorite. Uh, it's I Can Change. I can change, I can change. I like this because it's 
because it's Saddam Hussein that sings it. Yeah. I guess I, I, it, it's not a good song. I, I can agree with you that song-wise maybe the worst, but I still think it's more funny than the intro. Oh, okay, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that. Because I don't think I don't think the first song was intended to be funny. Right, I agree. But towards the end, Saddam starts breakdancing. <laughs> you can never go bad with breakdancing, can you? No, you really can. So now we're at the USO show, and the host. Oh, that's Saddam Hussein right yeah. now. So, Saddam, or not Saddam, damn it. Uh, so the hosts of the USO show are Big Gay Al and Sheila Broflovsky. Yep. Those are the hosts. Because why not? Exactly. And, you know, they're excited because tonight is going to be the execution of Terrence and Philip. But we also have some entertainment. And as they set up Terrence and Philip, our first act is Yippee the Flipping Dog. And... What? Okay, I have to say this. Back in... I want to say it was the mid-90s. There was this toy. And I had one of these. Where okay. it was this little dog. And it was battery-operated. And it would bark, and then it would just flip over. Like it would jump and flip. So this is a real life, quote unquote, real life version of it. Really? Mm-hmm. So. Okay. The boys then are behind the fences to, you know, to get ready to save Terrence and Philip. Yeah, because you agree this sounds maybe a little middle. Mm-hmm. Um. So they, you know, they come up with the plan, and it's. And, and I like this part where it's like, okay, in case something happens, I want you to make the sound of a dying giraffe. <laughs> yeah. And that's almost the sound of the giant of the dying giraffe, Dad, right there. <laughs> yeah. Because like, like, what does a, a dying giraffe sound like? And it sounds like this. Yeah. 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 yeah it sounds like a wolf. How would you like to have that as your Rig toad. Anytime somebody oh. rings. <laughs> I would love to have that <laughs> So um so while that's going on, Winona Ryder comes on. Oh no, wait a minute, I'm sorry. Sheila gives the speech to the troops. And she finally reveals her reason for all of this in front of everyone. Which is to basically get rid of the smut and potty mouth jokes and language that's, you know, on for kids today. And Terrence is over there and he's like, what? This is what the entire thing has been all about. Is that. I mean, of course it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because why not? Exactly. <laughs> so, then... Here comes Winona Ryder. Here comes Top Stepper. And she's like, wow, war, man. 
It's really rough. And now, my famous ping pong ball trick. And she starts doing it, and it's like, okay, what's going on? So Cartman passes by a couple of military police, and they're like, hey, do you hear what Winona Ryder's doing? Yeah, we should go check it out. So they leave their post to see what Winona, Winona Ryder is doing. Yeah, say that three times fast. Exactly. And Cartman sneaks in to go to the switch. So Winona Ryder finishes, and all she's doing is she's sitting down, hitting a ping pong ball with the little racket. And she's like, there, I didn't miss one. My famous <laughs> ping pong ball trick. <laughs> I love this. It's so, it's so freaking stupid. And I mean, like, like, that's no skill at all. And Toddy Walters is the person really? who, exactly. She's the one who did the voice of um, Winona Ryder. She actually has made a bunch of appearances on South Park, which until really? now I did not know. Uh, she was in our most recent review of Tweak vs. Craig as the home economics oh. teacher. Uh, other appearances include Alanis Morissette in Chef Aid. Yep. Mr. Hankey's Helper in Merry Christmas, Charlie Manson. Kelly in Rainforest, Schmainforest. And those are some of her big uh, things that she did on South Park. Cool. So, Carmen is about to turn the switch off, which is going to save Tara to Philip when the ghost of Kenny comes back. And... It scares them, scares him away, and he forgets to turn off the switch. <gasps> yep. So, Big Gay Al comes on, and he's like, well, I guess that's the end. And Stan and Kyle are like, oh, crap, we got to stall him. We want more. We want more. And Big Gay Al's like, oh, I don't know. I have a song that I've been working on about the war. And <sighs> they start chanting, Big Gay Al. Big gay owl. Big gay owl. And he's like, well, oh, I don't know. Sing the Frankie song! And he's like, okay. And he goes into his song called I'm Super. And it's just... I'm super depressing. It's such a weird song. I mean... Uh, I mean, I mean it, 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 it is... It serves its purpose. Yeah, and it's funny. I'm so. sorry, Mr. Credwell. <laughs> and it's offensive. It is. Everything. It is quite everything, offensive. Everything so far feels So, at, and then at the end of the song, he's completely naked. Yeah, why? <laughs> I have no idea. That is a really good question, because, like, it makes no sense for him to right. be naked. So, Carmen comes up to Stan and Kyle, and they reach each other, and the mole... Oh, yeah. go ahead. No, I, I was just asking, and oh. I was just thinking, wasn't there one episode when he was uh, accused 
for being a, a, a pedophile. Who, Big Al? Yeah. Wasn't it? Oh, no. Well, okay. He wasn't accused of it because he was in the scouts. Which we will get to that episode at some point oh. in 2017. Yep. We can tell you that right now. So, the mole makes it. He makes it to the stage. And Cartman, Joy stayed at Kyle, and they're like, Hey, did you remember to turn off the switch? Oops. And they're like, uh-oh. So, then Kyle makes the dying giraffe noise. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then they're like, hey, do you hear a dying giraffe? How how amazing is that? Like, I mean, they they make so many references. It's so funny. Yep. So, the mole is caught. They let the guard dogs out. And they follow him through the hole. And they're basically eating him up. And he makes it back to the other side. And he's like, you're supposed to turn off the switch. My bad. Yeah. And the mole is basically dying. And Aww. Kyle is holding him. He's like, no, you can't die. We don't know where we are. So he sings the song, and then he dies, and then they zoom out, and then Kyle's like, shit! <laughs> so then they have no other choice but to confront the parents. And this time, it's like, okay, we gotta do this. So they're gonna throw the switch, the boys come up, and the parents yell at them, and Mr. Garrison throws the switch, Terrence and Phillips start getting electrified. And then, you know, here come the Canadians. They start bombing the USO show. And they get into this big fight. And, you know, Cartman goes over to turn the switch off. Well, he curses, and it does something to the switch, because the electricity that was taking Terrence and Philip is now in Cartman. So Cartman and the V-chip save Terrence and Philip. <laughs> It is amazing. So, meanwhile, the the war has started. Um, at one point, there's a Canadian with a chainsaw. I didn't <laughs> I didn't know chainsaws were allowed in wars. Yeah. And here's this bomb. Well, this sends Stan flying. It sort of knocks him out, and it puts him at a puddle. So he's dazed. At this point. And then he starts to get his senses together when he looks up and, well, here's the clitoris. What? Exactly. And it's like, I've been looking all over for you. You need to help me win this girl over. He's like, no, you got to be confident in yourself. So... Gregory and the others come, and then he gives a smart comment of, I shouldn't have sent a boy to do a man's job, which makes Wendy upset. So, 
Then we see Mr. Garrison. He's hurt. He's lying down. And he tells Kyle and Carmen to take Mr. Hat. So they're running. They get into the bunk. And then we have Chef and his platoon, the fifth group. And I can't believe I forgot this part. This was so good. So I'm gonna back. I'm gonna back up a little bit. So all the milit so all the troops are there for you know preparing for war, and they talk about their plan. So the fifth brigade, which is Car or Chef and a bunch of black people, they are in a group called um, Operation Human Shield, and and then the fourteenth brigade, which is everybody else is in an operation called Operation Get Behind the Darkies. Oh, so fun that they make fun of the racist thing in them. And then Chef is like, have you ever heard of the Emancipation Proclamation? And the general's like, uh, I don't listen to hip-hop. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot that. That's like one of my favorite parts of the movie. So, so in the bunker... Kyle and Cartman have a moment. And Cartman's like, Kyle, I'm sorry. When I called you a dumb Jew, I never meant to call you a Jew. And Kyle's like, yes, I am a Jew. No, 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 you're not. So, so here comes Operation Human Shield. And Chef's like, okay, remember what we said. And they're like, okay, we got them protected on the planes and the tanks, too. And it's a bunch of black people tied up on planes and a bunch of black people tied up on tanks. And then then they're like, Operation, get behind the darkies. Get ready. And then one, two, it's a bunch of people going to die. Three. And then they move out of the way and Operation, get behind the darkies is destroyed. So... Then, Carmen throws Mr. Hat away. He just throws him somewhere. Yeah. And you can hear Mr. Garrison, No! And then, you know, Terrence and Philip, they're like on the run. They're trying to, you know, survive. And they get caught. And the general and Sheila and all of them, they're about ready to kill him. And then here comes La Resistance. And they're like, you know, no, you cannot do this. And Kyle finally has the guts to stand up to his mom. Aww. And he's like, you can't hurt them. We're not going to let you. And then he brings up the point that about Ike. Ike, your own adopted son is Canadian. And they're yeah. all... And they're all shocked, and she's like, uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this later. And then there was another line earlier where the general was like, Kids, this is for your own good. Besides, there are more fart jokes. You can watch them on Nickelodeon. Yeah. So, you know, after Kyle gives this emotional speech of, I just want our family to be back together, Sheila takes the gun from the general, shoots Terrence at Philip. And kills him. And the blood of an innocent Canadian falls on the ground. And that brings up Satan and Saddam Hussein. 
And they are about ready to take over the world. Oh, you're scaring me, Luz. You're scaring me. <laughs> and Saddam was like, yeah, come shoot me now. And they try to shoot him, and it has no effect on him. And Satan's like, bow down for two million years of dark times are ahead. And Shadow's like, way to go, Mrs. Brothlovsky. And Saddam is like, I think we should build a statue of me. Right where that fat boy is. And it's like, uh-oh. So, Carmen says a couple of bad, couple of cuss words, which shocks some of the minions. And then it's like, huh, okay. Well, the V-chip is just going crazy at this point. And he starts going after Saddam Hussein. And the last batch of words that he says ends with Barbara Streisand. Because Barbara <laughs> Streisand is a cuss word. Of course it is. Didn't you know that? I did not know that. Wow. So this sends Saddam all the way to the, like this big stone. And he tells Satan to help him. Calls him you know, a pussy. And Satan just has had enough. And he picks up Saddam and he throws him back all the way to hell. And it impales Saddam through the heart to somewhat briefly kill him. Somewhat. Somewhat, yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Kenny, who came up from hell, you know, is up there. And he talks to Satan and Satan's like, I'll grant you, I'll give you anything. Whatever you want. And he's like... <laughs> and he said, and they're, they're like, what did he say? And then he says, Kenny's wish is that everything was back to normal before this war ever happened. Aww. And Chef's like, you know that by doing this, that means you can't come back. And he's like, mm, I know. Aww. And... Then he gives the speech, and at the end, he takes his hood off, and we see Kenny's face for the first time ever. And, and last. And the last. And we also hear him for the first time ever. And the last. And he's like, thank you, guys. So, Satan is a, you know, he's a little sad that he can't stay up on Earth. But he finds Mr. Hat. So he and Mr. Hat are going to get along just fine. So Sanin goes back. And flowers are back up. The boys is singing. The trees are blooming. And Big Gayal's like, Oh, well, look at this. A moment ago, we were all dying. And now everything is back together. Everything is a awesome. Uh, Wrong movie. So... <laughs> So, Kyle and his mom, they, you know, they hug together, and it's like, who knew Carvage Filthy Bath is what helped save us all? And then Wendy goes over and kisses Stan, Stan pukes on Wendy, and Wendy's like, oh, I never liked Greg, I never liked him, fuck him, fuck him in the ear. Yeah, why the ear? I, uh, is that some kind of fetish that... We should be knowing about? Uh, Maybe? Well, uh, if it is, I don't really want to know. Yeah. 
And then Chef starts singing about how everything is back to normal. And they go back to the Mountain Town song. And then we see a shooting star in the sky. And it's Kenny. And he's going to heaven for what he did. And he gets his halo and his wings. And then we go into the credits. And then they... And then uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone's band, DVDA, saying what would Brian Boitano do? I like that version. I like that one better than the first one. Yeah. And this is all during the credits. And then we have Michael McDonald singing. Yes, the Michael McDonald. Yeah. From the Doobie Brothers. What a fool And he sings the song, Eyes of a Child. So we go through the credits, we get to the end, and then we go back to Ike, who is still up in the attic. Aww. And, okay, this is where it gets a little weird, because I have in front of me two different things of what he says. Okay. According to Wikipedia, in a post credit scene, Ike is shown in the attic saying, Guys up there is hurted. And then he eats the rat. On IMDB, he says, Guys up there is holy. Referring to the scene of Kenny in heaven. Then yeah, eats a rat. Yeah, that would make more sense. And that, my friends, is the end of South Park. No. Bigger, longer, and uncut. Oh. So. What's a movie? Well, yeah. What a movie. Indeed. Uh, what do you want to give this one? Uh, a 9 out of 10. This is a really good movie. Yep. This is one of the funniest movies ever made. And it's a smart movie, too. It is a, That's why I love it. It is a very smartly done, well-executed movie. And I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. Yep. Um, before, we get in, before we get into what the critics thought of it, um, and I didn't know this until we did the research, until 2016, this movie was the highest grossing R-rated animated movie of all time. Yeah, and uh, I mean, no wonder it's the first R-rated <laughs> uh, of all time. And it got passed by the movie Sausage Party. Yeah, uh, and Sausage Party is a really fun movie. Which well. made $140 million. Yeah, have you seen it? Uh, no. I didn't think it looked good, to be honest, but... Oh, it's really funny. Um, well... Okay, now there is one more thing I did want to bring up. Um, the R rating. Yeah. This movie was almost, almost, was rated NC-17. Yeah. Which would have killed the movie. It would have. 
Because, and, and I found this out watching uh, the Nostalgia Critic, if you curse in a movie 400 times or more, it becomes an NC-17 movie. Yep. South Park, or Trey Parker and Matt Stone, beat the system by having them curse 399 times. So because of that, they basically beat the system. Yeah, and uh, the system makers were not happy about that, I can tell you. Right. I mean, they were furious that something filthy and bad as this could go on. But, like, you know, they beat the system. They beat the system very well. Alright, so are you ready to read some of the uh, response from the critics? Because we haven't done this in a long time. No, uh, because uh, we don't have material. Right. And we will read IMDB as well in a moment. Not all of them, but we're going to read some of them. I mean, it's, 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 um, what do you call it? Pulverizing movie? Polarizing, um, yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, of uh, uh, feedback on this uh, movie. Uh, let's begin. Uh, this film has a certified fresh approval rating uh, of 81%, with an average of uh, 7 out of 10 based on... 94 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm -hmm. The side consensus states, its jokes are profoundly bold and rude, but incredibly funny at the same time. It also has a 73 out of 100 rating based on 31 reviews, which indicates generally favorable reviews as Metacritic. Rita Campley of Washington Post called the film outrageously profane and wildly funny, writing that while censorship is the filmmaker's main target, main target, sorry, Parker and Stone's favorite monster is the Motion Picture Association of America, self-appointed guardians of the nation's chastity. It's all in a good, dirty fun and in service of their pro-alliance... Tolerance? Oh, it's, it's, it's hard for me to read so much. It's okay. Uh, Pro-tolerance. Steve Holton of the New York Times heavily praised the film regarding the film's self-justifying moral as about entertaining censorship and freedom of speech. He also praised Cartman's subject to the V-chip and called it the movie's sharpest satirical twist. Uh, Remembrance of the Clockwork Orange. Wow. And if you haven't seen a Clockwork Orange, folks, you have to see it to get what yeah. this reviewer is saying. Yeah, it's a good movie. It is. Entertainment Weekly graded the movie A- and praised the film's message 
in the post-Columbine society as well as Parker and Shyman musical numbers will which brilliantly parody other uh, conventions of Broadway show tunes and especially the Disney formalities that begin with Ellen Macon and Howard Ashman. Whew. <coughs> Break. Uh, the Washington Post. <laughs> Michael O'Sullivan uh, naturally regarded the offensive nature of the film commenting, yes, the lapooning is more broad than being intensive. Incisive. Oh, thank you. But uh, the bluttering of the plant instruments, very few uh, sacred cows are left standing. In a review that was later quoted on the film's original home video cover, Richard Corliss from the Times warned viewers, you may laugh yourself sick, as sick as a ruthlessly funny movie. Uh, Corliss would later name the movie his fifth, uh, favorite animated movie of all time. Wow. Yeah, that's hot up there. Uh, the film had its fair share of critical, uh, uh, detractors. Yes, uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, uh, without noting the conservative family group offend, uh, offended by the film's humor. Oh, God, yes. somebody getting offended. Wow. Uh, yeah, what a surprise. Uh, my Jack Matthews of the Daily News suggested the film's running time made Parkinson run out of ideas. Wow. Well, it was 81 uh, minutes, so... Yeah. Uh, which, uh, while Roger Ebert stated that the vicious social center of the film both offended and amazed him. Ebert called the uh, film the year's most slashing politically commentary, but also said it's too long and runs out of steam, but it serves as a signpost for our troubled times, just for the information it contains about uh, the way we live now. Thoughtfully and considered people should see it, after all, everyone else will. Oh my god. And how amazing is it that Roger Ebert, who was made fun of in season two of South Park, likes the movie. Yeah. How amazing is that? Um, before I read some of the reviews on IMDb, over 165,000 people rated this movie. Holy! And its average is 7.8 out of 10. Yeah, no. Not, uh, not amazed by that at all. So I'm going to read some of the reviews because there's 94 pages of reviews, which we're not going to do. We we don't have the time for that. Oh my God, no. We would be here all day. So I'm just going to pick three. And the first one I'm going to read is from Dan Grant from Toronto, Ontario. Now this was posted in 1999. When you have the reputation that Parker and Stone do, it is hard to get rid of the stereotypes that have been drawn around you. 
You are forever stuck in the mold that has been bestowed upon you. But perhaps sometimes when stigmas of that nature are forever embedded with your name and reputation, it actually gives them more leeway to make a statement that is political in nature. As long as they disguise that statement with all that made them popular in the first place, they can get away with it. So now, if I said that beyond the non-stop vul vulgarity and infinite humor that this film contains is a film that has an important message camouflaged in animation, would you believe me? Would you care? First off, this is the most profanity-laced film I have ever seen in my life, and that includes early Eddie Murphy efforts. But the profanity in this film had me in stitches. Honestly, that was almost not just a figure of speech either. I laughed so hard that I almost banged my head on the person in front of me. Remember, remember how absurd you were at the horror of war at the beginning of Private Ryan? Well, if you had to parallel the two and replace horror with humor, that is a safe comparison. This film is so bleeping funny, and, it, and the person puts stars in there. And I really enjoyed it on that level. I can honestly say that I haven't laughed so hard since Office Space. The profanity goes a bit overboard at times, but I think that was on purpose. Some of the humor is a bit gross, seeing Saddam's rubber prophylactic was funny, but a little sick at the same time. But I think these guys wanted to see how far they could go, and they went very far, and they dared the MPAA to censor them even more, and hey, I was very entertained. But on the political side, there are a lot of dicey issues that are covered here. Yeah. Censorship, for one. It's funny because we as Canadians and Americans have some of the same ideologies, and one of them is free speech. But if that is what we want, then we have to be willing to go all the way. You can't pick and choose what is more free and more appropriate than something else just because it is not politically correct. Free speech means free speech. Free to express your thoughts in an open forum. This film tells us that free speech is free as long as you don't offend the masses. It also says that in MPAA's world, it is okay to see blood and guts and intestines and brain tissue. Many of those films get an AA rating, but profanity dictates that an R or an X is required to see the film. That is really silly. Yeah. The film also touches on racism in the armed forces, and it shows how brainwashed Americans get when there is a conflict with an opposing nation. It doesn't matter yeah. that perhaps some of the issues at hand are clouded and misunderstood. Many people stand behind their government to the very end. Kill them all in the name of the Constitution. There are also some stabs at religion and being gay and a plethora of other things, or other issues. A particular scene with Bill Gates is funny. Parker and Stone have given the finger to the rating system in America, and I think people will like it. They have also given much more credit to the Canadian Armed Forces in this movie. If the U.S. ever went to war with us, it would probably be over in a day or so. So, so thanks for making us look at least competitive. That was cool. It, it may be weird to read a review of this film and have comments about politics in here, because it really is a funny movie, and I was in a good mood when I left the theater. But there is more to this movie than just humor. To accomplish that and still be known as the guys who made fart jokes and the F-word popular is quite a feat. 
This film is there to enjoy, but it is also there to ask some tough and interesting questions. Enjoy the film, but listen to what it has to say. That is, besides the F and S word, listen to what it wants to say. And then he wrote, One last observation, and that is, when I was in line for the film, a lady and her five-year-old daughter were in front of me. When they asked for South Park, the cashier asked if she was sure because there is a lot of profanity in the film. The lady reassured her that it was fine. Her daughter can listen and watch, but knows not to repeat. That is responsible parenting. Teach your kids right from wrong and hope they turn out well. That's all you can do, and I applaud that parent for doing so. She may never know who I am, but I will remember her for quite some time. Maybe if more people were like that, there wouldn't be such a fuss about profanity. After all, they're just words. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't take my five-year-old to see this. But oh my god, it. no. Not, not, not a chance. I mean, I... And I've, Hill. <laughs> and I've even told you, Fro, on many occasions how I watch what I say in front of my nephews. Like, what? I never... I never record this show in front of them because of the material. And I know that the material is wrong, so, you know, why take the chance? Yeah, I hope they I want to read these two, and these are actually negative reviews of the movie. Okay. Chris250987 from the United Kingdom wrote, I really didn't enjoy this movie. I thought the dialogue was sketchy and the singing repetitive. In one word, this movie sucked. The animation, I believe, wow. the animation, I believe, could have been done better by a blind man with no arms. If I was to make a movie, I would actually try to make a good movie, not a pile of steaming urine that makes fun of both religion and the color of people's skin. It uses the same repetitive jokes as the episodes which precede it. If you want my opinion, do not watch this movie. Well, what do the British know? And this other not-so-positive review from Mark Cordell wrote, Do you find swearing offensive? Then you'll find this movie offensive. As I don't, as I don't, I rapidly got bored. The movie, as I see it, is aimed at children. The parallels of the boy sneaking in to see the Terrence and Philip movie. Excuse me. While the bored and offended adults leave proof that Stone and Parker don't really care if kids only like it. The parallels don't end there. Terrence and Philip were notoriously responsible for the large drop in the show's rating when an unfunny Terrence and Philip special was shown instead of the conclusion of a storyline. When will the makers learn that Terrence and Philip aren't funny? The movie was dull. It didn't have any of the surreal moments of the series, but instead relied on musical numbers. I couldn't watch more than two-thirds of the movie. Not because I was outraged, but because I was bored. Swearing is only meaningful in short doses. Say any word again and again, and it's just a noise. And how is this movie subversive? Because of swearing? They didn't even use the C word. Yeah... Now, of course, I mean, that... I, I can understand the prediction. I don't agree, but hey. Now, that last review I read was from 2000. 
Mm-hmm. So, that's... Boy, you know, I wonder yeah. if his opinion has changed since that time. Um, okay, now let's talk about how they did as far as... In a lot of things, actually. Uh, the film opened at number four with a gross of $14,783,983 over the four-day Independence Day weekend in 1999 from 2,100 theaters for an average of almost $7,000 per theater. Wow. And a total of $19 million since its Wednesday launch. It ended up with a gross of $52 million in the U.S. and Canada, with the three-day opening making up 22% of the final domestic gross. It made an additional $31 million internationally for a total of $83,137,603 worldwide. Accolades. The movie was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song for Blame Canada. When the time came to perform the track live at the ceremony, as is customary for the Academy Awards, it ran into trouble with ABC Standards and Practices Department. Censors yep. demanded they write TV-friendly lyrics. It would be ironic to have to... Ugh, it would be ironic to have to change the words in a movie about censorship, remarked Scheinman. <laughs> Censors were particularly unhappy with the use of the word fuck and allusions of the Ku Klux Klan. When Parker and Shaman denied these requests, Robin Williams, a friend of Shaman's, sang the song with black tape over his mouth and turning his back when curse words were to be sung. Parker and Stone attended the ceremony in drag, wearing replicas of dresses previously worn at the Oscars by Gwyneth Paltrow and Jennifer Lopez. Well, actually, Lopez's was from the Grammys. The two claimed years later that they took acid before the ceremony and were high while wearing the outfits. The song, the song ended up losing to You'll Be In My Heart, a Tarzan song by Phil Collins. That film and, came... Yeah, and one of the worst Disney movies in the world. That film came from ABC parent Disney. In response, Parker and Stone ridiculed him in two consecutive episodes of the series' fourth season, Cartman's Silly Hate Crime 2000 and Timmy 2000. In DVD commentary, Parker states, We were fully expecting to lose, just not to Phil Collins. Yeah, and that just shit this song as well. It's a bad song. Well, let me yeah. tell you the other songs that it went up against. It went up against Music of My Heart from the movie Music of My Heart, Save Me from Magnolia, and When She Loved Me from Toy Story 2. So it was up against some good competition that year. Magnolia one of my favorite Now, other awards that it got or were nominated, they were nominated three times for the Annie Awards. I've never heard of the Annie Awards. Never heard of them. Um, 
It was nominated for Outstanding Achievement in an Animated Theatrical Feature, Outstanding Individual Achievement for Voice Acting in an Animated Feature Production, Mary Kay Bergman, and Outstanding Individual Achievement for Writing in an Animated Feature Production. It was also nominated by the American Film Foundation for the E. Pluribus Unum Award for Feature Film. It won the Chicago Film Critics Association Award for Best Original Score, uh-huh. was nominated by the Las Vegas Film Critics Society Awards for Best Animated Film, won the Los Angeles Film Critics Association Award for Best Music, won the MTV Movie Awards Best Musical Sequence for Uncle Fucker. <laughs> really? Yeah. It won the Motion Picture Sound Editors uh, Award for the Best Sound Editing Music Animation and was also nominated for Best Sound Editing in an Animated Feature. It was nominated by the New York Film Critics Circle Awards for Best Animated Film. It won the OFTA Film Awards for Best Music Original Score, was also nominated for Best Animated Picture, and Best Music Adapted Song for Kyle's Mom's a Bitch. It won the Online Film Critics Society Award for Best Original Score, was nominated by the Golden Satellite Awards for Best Motion Picture, Animated, or Mixed Media, and Best Original Song for Quiet Mountain Town, and was or finished 10th by the Village Voice Film Poll for Best Film of 2000. It was also nominated by the American Film Institute in 2004 for one of the top 100 songs. Blame Canada was nominated, did not make the final cut. Was nominated for being a part of a greatest movie musical, which I could definitely see. Yeah. And was nominated for AFI's 10 Top 10 of animated films. In 2000, readers of Total Film Magazine voted the film at number 13 of the greatest comedy films of all time. In 2001, Terry Gilliam of Monty Python fame selected it as one of the 10 best animated films of all time. In 2006, South Park finished 5th on the United Kingdom Channel 4's 50 Greatest Comedy Films vote. Readers of Empire Magazine, in a 2006 poll, voted it number 166 in the greatest films of all time. In 2008, the film was included in Entertainment Weekly's list of the 25 movie sequels we line up to see and the funniest movies of the past 25 years. The film is number five on Bravo's 100 Funniest Movies. IGN named it the sixth greatest animated film of all time in their top 25. And the Guinness Book of World Records in 2001 said that this film was said to have the most profanity used in an animated film. It contained a total of 399 swear words. The F word was used 150 or 146 times. There were also 199 offensive gestures and also contained 
221 acts of violence. Yep, that is uh, somewhat uh, a lot. That is quite a lot. Um, and I thought I even read at one point, uh, like, it was ranked, like, the, the, the score was ranked in, like, Time Magazine's, like, top ten movie scores of all time. Yeah. I think. Um, and now let's talk about the possible, the thought of sequels. Yeah, I have absolutely no hope for that. Well, uh, let's yeah. let's see. Parker and Stone said in a 2008 interview that a theatrically released sequel would most likely be what concludes the series. Yep. In 2011, when the official South Park website FAQ was asked whether a sequel would be made, it was responded with, the first South Park movie was so potent, we're all still recovering from the blow. Unfortunately, at the current moment, there are no plans for a second South Park movie. But you never know what the future may bring. Crazier things have happened. In 2013, Warner Brothers relinquished to Paramount its right to co-finance a potential future South Park movie, as well as a future Friday the 13th sequel, during their negotiations to co-finance the Christopher Nolan science fiction film Interstellar. Previous efforts to create a second South Park film were complicated due to both studios retaining certain rights to the property. And, in 2016, Trey Parker and Matt Stone expressed interest in use the pilot of the upcoming video game South Park The Fractured But Whole as the plot of a sequel film. Yep. I heard rumors about that as well. Uh... I don't know how much we should believe in this because there has been talks about this forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at, you know, look at The Simpsons. We've got to go back to The Simpsons. Right. How long we waited for the movie to come out. And when it did come out, it was such a big thing um, that... But it was also somewhat anti-climatic. Don't you agree with that? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it's not a bad movie. Don't no. get me wrong. Uh, but uh, it did not do as they hoped. Now, I have actually right here in front of me, um, talking about Time Magazine and South Park, the 10 best soundtracks of all time, which was chosen by Richard Schickel and Richard Corliss. South Park is one of the 10, which also features The Adventures of Robin Hood, Citizen Kane, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, On the Waterfront, The Man with the Golden Arm, Jules at Jim, Roja, The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, and Blythe. Okay. 
have no clue. Huh. Well, it was on there. It made it made the top ten in Time magazine. Yeah. So um do I think a sequel will ever happen? Who knows? I mean it's I kind a, of hope it doesn't yeah. to be honest. You would like to leave it at one. Yeah. Okay. Well but I don't I don't mind it, but I I, I I mean, if you if you want to be fair, and and I'll I'll stick with you on this argument. Look at what happened with some of the movies that we waited so long for a sequel for, like Anchorman, <laughs> like or 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 a little movie called uh, maybe Star Wars or Zoolander. You know, it just. Such a bad movie. Mm. But did you like that? Which one? Zoolander. I've never seen that movie. Don't. <laughs> well, there you go. Don't. Oh, you haven't seen the sequel, or you haven't seen the original? I haven't seen the original. Wow. Okay. The original is pretty good. There we go. Um. All right. Final thoughts on just the movie in general. We want to mention influences or anything. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen this, why haven't you seen this? Go and say this. Uh, uh, why haven't you seen this? This is such a good movie. Um, if you get easily offended, obviously we do not recommend you watch this movie. Uh, I do. Well, Fro does. But it is one of those movies that has aged well. Which, you know, is one of those weird things about movies. Is like, does this age well? Does it not age well? This movie has aged well. And I think it's going to continue to age well. I think there's going to be new generations that come that watch this movie. And they're going to enjoy it just like we did. So... Those are our thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I uh, mean, uh, I, I I want you I want you to say this. Like if if you haven't seen this, why haven't you seen this? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think what we will do, because we talked about this in the past, is every once in a while we will review a movie that Trey Parker and Matt Stone did. So, this is not the end. You know, we, we might do it again in season four and, you know, because we're not going to do them all in one. We're just going to pace ourselves. So. No, uh, but I, I can promise you that I will make uh, Bill watch all of their movies. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, If you want to follow... Us on Twitter, we're at SharksPond97, and yep. you can join our Facebook group. All you got to do is click on the link in the description box, or you can go to Facebook and type in Sharks Pond, a South Park podcast, and you guys are right there. Hope you all enjoyed this special episode of Sharks Pond. Next week, we go back to the regular show as we are in 
season three. So yeah, and uh, this is going fast. I mean, uh, I don't mind that it's uh, going fast because uh, there's a lot to cover. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, there's a lot of movies uh, and and a lot of things to 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 cover. Mm-hmm. And it's it's definitely it, we 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 never said it would be easy. We only said it would be worth it. Right. So, hope you guys enjoyed it. And until next week, for Fro, I'm Bill. The balcony has closed. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye.